Sonic States Hello, welcome to Sonic State Talk, episode four. Um, today we're talking to Andy Jones, who's uh, ex-editor of Future Music, as well as uh, working on several UK high-tech music magazines. And Dave Spears, a maker of such classy software instruments as uh, Mtron, the Oddity, and Imposca, and the Mini Monster. This is coinciding with the uh, Austin, Texas Summer Nam session, where uh, our intrepid reporter Andy is on the ground. Uh, I dropped him off yesterday. He had a bit of a nightmare journey, apparently. Um, we'll talk to him a bit later about that he's going to be there getting all the latest scoops getting us pictures reports uh, audio for more podcasts video etc etc so uh, we'll look forward to talking to him and hearing more as it comes so if you want to actually see the news from uh, from summer nam um, just come to sonicstate.com slash news stories should start piling up there sort of as you listen to this really sonicstate.com I've got Andy live on the line now Andy Mack of course not to be confused with Andy Jones who you'll hear a bit later on he's just woken up from a rather short sleep because uh, i don't think he got in till very early hours of the morning uh how you doing andy how's texas texas is big and hot it's really hot so how far are you away from the uh, convention center in the hotel it's a couple of blocks i haven't actually been there yet i've wandered out to get some food and, and got absolutely baked but um they say it's just down the down the roads how was the flight then flight was a nightmare it's the worst flight i've ever been on it took me 27 hours to get here door to door yeah, there was a big storm over Newark. I flew into Newark and we had a stop over there. And I, I knew it was going to be a long stop over, but there was a massive storm, electrical storm over the airport. So it was just like being in a movie. There was this huge thing and cracks of thunder and everyone was looking very nervous. The guy sat next to me had a claustrophobia problem. <laughs> After about two hours, he started really freaking out. And it's like, I, I just got to get up. I, I just got to walk around. And he had to go into you know, go to the cockpit and see if they could open the door and everything. It was, uh, it was oh, luckily man. he calmed down and fell asleep when we actually got, got going. You've got a pretty full day tomorrow, so... Uh, Hopefully we're going to get some footage and uh, um, back from you sort of fairly uh, fairly pronto. How's the technical side of things working out? Didn't lose any luggage, got an internet connection? Didn't lose any luggage. I was a bit worried about that because uh, yeah, with such a long stopover, I thought they're going to be bouncers that were put in a huge pile there and not get the luggage for days. In fact, the guy I sort of shared um, back from the airport to the hotel, he'd just come back from a flight and his luggage was delayed four days. So I was thinking the worst, but actually it, it was fine. Oh, well, that's good because it's always a bit of a worry, isn't it? Because it's very hard to pack everything in one case. So you've got a sort of self-contained... Got two big bags when I travel now in, in hand luggage, and everyone kind of frowns and tuts, but no one's giving me a hard time about it yet. Oh, that's pretty but good. I've just got everything in there, so three cameras, all the stuff I need. So hopefully you um, tomorrow's show will be uh, fruitful. Um, got, I know I've, I've set up a lot of appointments, so I'm looking forward to hearing some stuff back. We're starting to get some of the press coming through now, but uh, I can't say anything about it yet because obviously um, that's embargo. I'd have to shoot you. Yeah. But I suppose by the time I've edited this, it'll probably be all right, so I'll probably end up putting it in anyway. Sonic State. Well, um, everybody, welcome. Um, this have got Andy Jones this week. Hi, Andy. Hello. And uh, Dave Spears is joining us once again. Hi, Dave. Hello. Um, well, Andy, I mean, uh, you've had a bit of an eventful week. I guess your excuse for not being around last week was um, you've had a baby. <laughs> yes, that's okay. that arrived a little bit earlier than we thought. Um, uh, mind you, I suppose if anything's going to get you back to making music, it's it's a baby. Uh, just bury myself up in the loft and start getting his music software again. Barricade the doors. <laughs> what, so uh, the doors or listening to them? Everybody well, boy or girl? or uh, It's a little boy. Yep. Uh, yes, eight pounds, something or other. It's, it's, it's sort of baby-shaped and um, it's uh, doing well. Mother's doing well. So, yeah, three oh, boys. Oh, well, congratulations. Now. Three Thank boys, you you'll much. be able to have a boy band in a couple of years. 
Well, is uh, somebody else said that, or a five-a-side football team, if I keep at it. So, have you got a name, or...? Uh... Uh, Oscar, yes, Oscar. an imp. He's a little imp. Uh, well, I was rather hoping you hadn't come up with one yet, because then we could launch a sort of web's web-wide competition to name your child, but I suppose that would have been a bit inappropriate. Uh, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> could have been scary. Yeah, Let's do well. it anyway. He hasn't got a second name. Well, maybe we could do a second name. <laughs> I'm In sure your hour. wife would be delighted. Indiana, or uh, I think I suggested to you Dave Emlan. Mm. Well, well, which is uh, rather neatly brings us to our first item, I suppose, doesn't it? Um, Emlan, universal binary drivers. I'm assuming it must have taken some coders, you know, a fair amount of time to, to get that sorted out, and uh, so they must be putting some energy into it. Well, it basically, it just means that they've, uh, they've now updated the drivers, so they'll run on the new Intel Macs, which presumably uh. is a good thing, which means um, that, you know, people who've got... MLAN pieces of kit and have upgraded to the Intel-based Macs will actually be able to use them once again. Well, I, I went to the... Uh, well, I don't know if it was so much the launch of it, but the, the it, it, Yamaha took a load of journalists to Japan. I think it must be... You might correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's got to be about eight years ago now um, to, to tell us about this amazing new technology. And it was great at the time, and we thought, well, this is this is wonderful. You I know, mean, when the A1X was, was first announced, which, you know, off. on the face of it, was a kind of incredibly groundbreaking piece of equipment uh, and was supposed to be integrated with OS X. I mean, OS X, Apple, bless them, didn't really kind of integrate it fully until, well, quite recently. Because so, we evangelised it quite strongly on Sonic State, because I thought, wow, this is going to be groundbreaking. One piece of gear to do everything, you know, integrated digital desk. I mean, I like Yamaha digital desks. I think they're good. You know, I was kind of quite excited, but it never quite delivered at the time time of launch. I'm looking at the mlandcentral.com website now and it's July 2006 and it says this is the year when Mland Firewire Music Networking breaks loose exclamation mark and Mland Central is here to guide inform and unashamedly promote this compelling new technology. Um, we're adding many blah blah blah. I mean so obviously there's still a, a certain amount of energy behind it and um, I don't know about you Dave have you come across any uh, Mland type stuff? Uh, no none none sadly I mean I looked at the list of the sort of MLAN partners um, I mean you've got people like Martin Sound Presonus NEC um, Korg even but um, I've yet to see how it's going to filter down to kind of my level and also I kind of need somebody to sort of show me I need to go into a room and somebody to go look this is how it's all plumbed in and this is where it works and here's your virtual patch bay and all the rest of it before I kind of you know, life's complicated enough as it is bef before I kind of start delving into all sorts of potential nightmares. I did see a lot of the Apple uh, grief going on over at Mland Central. Yeah, I mean, I think the key thing is, I mean, as with all of this firewire networking type technology, I mean, it's the same with the DICE2 thing. You know, it's supposed to be you plug something into the network and it goes, hi, I'm here who's in charge, you know, i.e. who's the master clock, this is how my inputs and outputs, please make them available to everybody, which is, in, pr in principle, is a great idea, because that's sort of a fairly no-brainer. If the system is sort of self-aware, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, the guy who was the sort of power horse, as far as I was aware, behind this, Nick Howes, is obviously no longer with Yamaha, so uh, he seemed to be the sort of chief boffin uh, for Mlan. I don't know where he's gone, actually. God, yeah, I mean, he, he was the evangelist. It's hmm. going to be a big blow to them losing Nick because he was the, the biggest evangelist of the whole technology and it needs someone like that to keep something like that going and, and to make it... It's like, it's like Dave says, I mean, I need to be shown 
things like that and Nick is a great person for showing people and making them understand why they need this technology but they do keep nudging it every so often just to kind of uh, well they must have put a lot of money into R&D so they can't they're not they're not going to kind of let it slip by you know quietly and presumably they have got a customer base out there which they don't want to let down you know because it's a it's a sort of Yamaha brand honor thing I'd imagine One thing I found out about this week was uh, a company called Znarf Electronics, a very interesting name. Um, That's a German site, and uh, I think they're kind of a bunch of people who make music or record music. It's not clear, because my German's not terribly good. Um, And what they've got is a test page where they've got 48 samples of various synths, both hardware and software, playing the same riff and an approximation of the same sort of sound. and you click on one link and it plays the sound you click on another link and it tells you what it is and there's some very interesting uh, interesting items there i don't know if any of you guys had a chance to listen to them but um, to me to my ears the soft synths seem to come across really rather well you, you could def- they definitely sounded more more kind of punchy and cleaner obviously um, there was some some dreadful hardware actually there was a there was a casio one that just sounded completely limp compared to compared to everything else on there um, one of the Roland modules sounded surprisingly good uh, you know the, the digital modules was that the JB1080 by any chance but, yeah I thought um, that sounded good uh, which, which surprised me actually that they actually managed to get that out of that box. But I was I was always quite a big big fan of the 1080. Um, some of the Waldorf software didn't sound as good as the hardware. There was the the electroharmonics uh, microsynth, which I thought was a nice one to chuck in there. Um, mm. It sounded exactly like an electroharmonics microharmonics microsynth, and nothing like any of the other ones. <laughs> like the MT32. Yes. Yeah, that well, I, I'm a too. big fan. That was the first ever multi-timbral digital synth, wasn't it? I remember yep. I saved up for months to buy one of those. And then just as I was about to buy it, they came out with the D110, which had the multi-outputs, which is... I used the D110 for years and years and years on loads of remixes, loads of records. I've still got it, actually. And I, I, The D110 I, had the same engine as the D20, which was my first synth, and I used for about five years just on its own and nothing else, I believe. Yep, LA Synthesis? Yeah, yes, that's big, right. Big fan of the D, the D10 and the D110. Love them. They're very. I mean, they're incredibly complex synthesis engines. Actually, I mean, I mean particularly when you've got to program them through a 16 by well, 4 by 32 LCD or whatever it was. It was ridiculous. I mean, it took mm. some time to to get your head round. But the D20, as I've constantly argued, was actually the first synth workstation with sequencer, multi-track sequencer, uh, multi-timbral. Everybody thinks it was the M1, but it was in fact the D20. Did it have a disk drive? Yes, little little uh, three and a half inch floppy disk drive. The thing I remember yeah. is uh, Roland were incredibly good at uh, getting their system exclusive together, so you could really easily just sort of dump the edit buffer 
uh, this is this is sounding really nerdy now, but you could dump the edit buffer into your sequencer, and you know you wouldn't have to save any patches or anything, and then you could just squirt Absolutely. it back in, and yeah. you know your song would come back, and you didn't have to save any patches. It was very no, very. Uh, but some of the waveforms in there, which is quite glorious, you, you can see someone in software maybe maybe taking those those waveform ideas and coming back with something a little bit different. There were some really mechanical, yeah. you know, all sorts of bits and pieces in there. Actually, the point is. Apart from maybe one or two things, you could no way tell what anyone was. You could maybe go, oh, I think that's a bit digital, and that would be about as far as you could get. But it was almost impossible to tell what model was what, isn't it, really? It's nice to think that we're getting beyond, and certainly from my experience, we are now beyond this whole hardware versus software, software shit and hardware's great debate. I did want to... One thing I did want to add is I was I was quite impressed with the way that the uh, Logic synths sounded. The ES1... Which I think was synth number one. I thought, because yeah. that, that's the first one I heard. I thought, God, that bottom ends kind of sounds analog. I was going, Oh, I wonder what that stuff. is. And, and it the was creamware stuff was really good as well. Yes. So cream, creamware, and, and the logic synths came out very well. Yeah. Um, I've got a Jupiter six, and I was really disappointed with the way it sounded. I thought it could sound an awful lot better than that. I mean, talking of soft synths, though, um, we've also got um, ten years of native instruments. Which mm. yeah. the, they've rather cunningly come up with the tagline "anniversary," which kind of says it all, really. It's a, some mastermind in marketing came up with that one. Are you going over to their party now? What? I know I haven't actually been invited, so well, I'm not. We obviously, badger them. So they're going to have a do. Should we? Should we boot? Should we push for a Sonic Talk complimentary um, charter flight? Maybe they could send a helicopter over for us. Native Instruments have come up with an awful lot of soft instruments. I mean, I don't know how you feel about them, Dave. I mean, obviously being a competitor, but uh, have you have you had and loved any of their um, software? Uh, yeah, from the Pro 5 onwards, really. I mean, the Pro 5 was was a bit of, was one of those kind of life-changing soft synths. It was one of the first proper ones, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, I mean, we were like... Uh, this is before we were anything to do with kind of software instruments, but I mean... I immediately got hold of a copy and it was just like wow if this is the future bring it on really and I still use the Pro 52 and the FM7 FM7 I do like the FM7 a lot actually I have to say takes me back to you know I remember collecting DX7 patches when back when I used to do session programming having sort of just thousands and thousands of them and I've still got them and I kind of really like to I like to dump them into the FM7 and I occasionally find the preset and think oh that takes me back to there's a patch on FM7 that I use in just about every tune I make it's just, just a kind of pad or string sound that I always find room for it actually kind of always detracts from what I've been trying to do but it always gets in there somewhere they have done an awful lot for the development of software instruments resume I mean reactor I mean what, what version are we up to now is it five or six or seven it's I can't five. It's five, and you know that's a monster, monster software synth. I mean, goodness knows how they've managed to keep that going because it must take an army of boffins to 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 just kind of write the documentation, let alone come up with the stuff. I think they use Reactor for every single one of their commercial synths, don't they? It's it's it's, it's what they use to design everything that they do. So mm. is that right? They've got to keep it going. Yeah, no, as I understand it, all the instruments are originally modelled in Reactor and then kind of recompiled as. You know, individual instruments. No, certainly the Pro 53 and stuff comes from there, as far as I'm aware. Which just shows the power of it, really. I haven't got enough time to get into Reactor, but I've listened to some of the ensembles, and some of them are really excellent. Well, they are amazing. I mean, I don't know if you've ever 
um, when you've been sitting on the throne, perhaps had a chance to flick through the manual. Um, but I mean, it goes to the, it almost does go to the component level. I mean, somebody's making all of these little sort of things that sit behind. I mean, you just go deeper, 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 deeper in until effectively you're sort of choosing the resistors you want. It's kind of incredible, really. I mean, it's the same sort of philosophy that's working for their um, their sample engine as well, really. I mean, they've done very well with the contact and compact and all those third-party instruments that are using that engine and get compiled into players for, you know, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it was a clever idea, very clever idea. In fact, my favourite piano is, you know, a contact instrument, as it were. Oh, which piano is that? Uh, the Virtual Grand Piano, the Hans Adamson. I mean, it's not a very well-known piano. He did a thing called the Malm, Malmdo piano a while ago, which was kind of EXS24, and I think it was Giga. Um, but it's brilliant. It's just really soft, and it sounds old. And then, obviously, his, his latest one was the virtual, called the VGP, Virtual Grand Piano. Uh, and it's just got this sound that some of us old boys love. It, it's just not... Anyone remember the JD800 piano? Super bright and very sparkly and kind of in your face. Well, this is almost the polar opposite of that. It's just very nice and soft and warm. Brilliant. I like it a JD800, lot. now, there's a key. I always wanted to get one of those. I must try and uh, hunt one of those down. We're getting quite cheap now. That's my master's keyboard. Is that's it? What I use, yeah, that's what I use as my master. Ah. It was the sort of digital Jupiter 8, wasn't it? Sort of. That's right, yeah. yeah. It came out around, oh, good. must have been uh, the after the D range wasn't it the JD I don't, a couple of years after yeah 90s. it was 90 oh god I'm going to sound like an anorak now it was 91 and I only know yeah. that I think we were the first people to take one out on a Debbie Harry tour a million years ago Blimey. and the, and the um, promoter insisted on trying to hire in various keyboards you know when we got to Switzerland and places like that which was a bloody impossibility because actually you couldn't buy them pretty much anywhere other than the US and the UK everywhere else you know sold out immediately they went on sale so they tried to save on shipping uh, yes you know the score <laughs> yeah so I mean obviously native instruments 10 years of great software instruments I mean um, any particular donkeys for anybody from NI I can't think of any at the moment but um, anybody else got any suggestions when I was on, when I was on the mag uh, on the magazines everybody used to think we were in native instruments pockets because they, they generally got eight out of tens you know pretty much across the board and it got to the stage when we were actually kind of hoping that something would come in that, that was pretty bad i can't think of anything offhand i have to say i, I tried out reactor one and reactor two and they weren't particularly stable certainly on my old os9 mac and in a way that kind of put me off and also the complexity of it but i mean things like the b4 i mean the b4 was the kind of benchmark hammond emulation for for years um, I like them as a company. I really like them. In fact, we did some Profit 5 sounds from the old Japan keyboard player, Richard Barbieri, and you needed a specific um, revision Profit 5. I think it was the very last one, the 3.3, with the right MIDI interface and everything. So I'd taken Barbieri's Sizzix, a Sizzix dump, and uh, actually just flew out to Native, who let us use their sequential transferred the sounds across, A-B'd them, and to my ears, everything sounded pretty damn good. Wow. Uh, and, you know, I thought that was pretty decent of them, frankly. So, um, I just read your Aphex Twin piece in the new look Future Music. Oh, yeah, what did you think? I thought it was good, actually. I, I, I thought the whole mag is, you know, it's, in, it's sort of... It's looking a lot better, isn't it? Well, I didn't want to say that, really, seeing as you're the outgoing editor, but 
Yeah, I know. I know. Well, see, yeah. What what can I say? I mean, uh, I did want it to look that good when I was there, but I just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it looks fresher. I have to say. I, I was as I looked at the cover. I was thinking, oh gosh, is that going to mean you actually got to meet him? But uh, it was an email interview. Is that right? No, it was it was it was a funny one. I did speak to him a few years ago um, on the phone. Face to face is just impossible these days. But I spoke, I spoke to him on the phone, and it was uh, you, you'd have to ring him, ring him up, and shout Richard down the phone. Uh, presumably, he was otherwise engaged, shall we say? Because I'd mm. be shouting for five minutes, and he'd come to the phone. And I asked him some really crap questions, as I think I mentioned in the in the interview. So I've been waiting to do a proper interview with him for years, and we kept asking his press officer, and she just said no. And eventually, she just said, sent some questions in. So I, I I got a set of questions together, which I thought were quite clever and quite funny, because I know he's got a good sense of humour. To to my amazement, a couple of days later, about fifteen hundred words reply, and then that's it verbatim in the magazine. That's exactly what he said. I. I cleared up some of his spelling obviously uh, but I thought he was quite um, open about things I think he might have lied in some bits because he does do that uh, what was interesting was the fact that he's got kind of four studios on the go and I, you can sort of see that because he's, he's, he's doing so much music you kind of think well he must get bored in one environment so he just <laughs> he just gets into another one you know he's probably got a laptop he's probably got everything well I've been doing a, a series of sort of artist profiles uh, just done Van Gelis and we did Jean-Michel yeah. Jarre I'm going to do craft work and I think I might do Aphex Twin as well just for a laugh yeah. if I can find anything on YouTube but it doesn't sound like I'll be able to find anything what apart from his videos SonicState.com did you see the um, craft work prototype vocoder go on ebay uh, yeah i saw that yeah amazing jesus christ how much twelve thousand five hundred dollars wasn't, wasn't very much for what it was uh, mind you you wouldn't get much um, after service care with something like that would you <laughs> <laughs> and no manual supposedly the one used on autobahn which mm. is the uh, is their seminal well, it's the one that broke them in America, it's the one that broke them in all over the world, really. Maybe 12,500 in years to come might, might be... Might be a good investment. Okay, well, thanks very much again, guys. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that at least one of the recording processes I've been through today will be uh, fault-free, so I'll be able to use this in some form or other. But, um, yeah, I mean, thanks very much for coming along. D Andy Jones. Cheers, thank you very much. And Dave Spears. Thank you. Cheers. So once again, uh, thanks for listening. Um, there's going to be a lot more stories coming your way uh, over the weekend, so uh, keep checking back at sonicstate.com and you should be able to see news and videos and pictures and who knows what else. If you want to contact us once again, uh, contact us on Skype. Uh, our handle is Sonic Talk, and our number in the US is 312-376-8089. Uh, perhaps if you're at the show yourself, if you can see Andy, he'll be wearing a Sonic State t-shirt. Just uh, grab him and see if you can get him to record something for you, because he's going to be grabbing audio and what have you on the show floor. So, yeah. Sonic State. Sonic. State. Sonic. 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 Sonic.